Welcome to Essential Conversations. It is your host, Rebecca Mears, with your co-host, Luca Halleck. And we are back. We've been away for a while, and we're delighted to rejoin you today. Luca's been gallivanting around Europe, and she just returned. She's a little bit dopey right now, we must admit. I'm a little dopey, but that's okay, because <laughs> we uh, know how to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in the very comfortable zone of yes, what we're, we're familiar th- with. We're coming up to five years on air now, we were, and we were celebrating this afternoon. Yes, yes. Yes, and we need to do a proper celebration. Um, before we dive in today, I would like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the tsleil And what that means to me is that as a settler, I want to take a moment to root into the fact that I am a visitor here and that there are people who know more about this land and more about what is sustainable for this land than me and that um, the arrival of myself and my ancestors caused great harm and that there is work for, to be done by my hands and the hands around me to to work on restorative justice in that regards. Joining us today, we have Susan Gregg and I'm going to pass it over to Luca to introduce how you know Susan. Well, we were talking today about the lineage of how, how people get onto the show. And Susan came to us through one of our other show guests, um, Deb Cheney. And uh, Deb has been working with Susan and uh, at her, now I say her because it's, it's not just Deb's, but it's Su- Susan's baby, which, which is... Um, my brain is farting here, so I, I'm going to let. Cause it's, this is this is how the jet lag is hitting me. But w- Susan, would you like to tell us about what your studio is, and then I'll finish finish the introduction. Oh, okay, 100 Braid Street Art Studios and Gallery. We are the largest working art studio outside of Vancouver, um, and we are a co-working space for over 50 artists. And you are personally curating yes. the artists that come together in oh, that wow. space. Absolutely. And I've been out there and walked around in that space, which is how I met Susan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was delighted to meet you and then proceeded to buy a couple of pieces of art from you that I then took to Germany with me. And they are now ensconced in two different homes in Germany where they are being greatly appreciated. And I'm honored. Um, <laughs> but, but the feeling in the studios was just wonderful. Oh. So, yes, yeah, so Deb, Deb came on the show and I met Deb because I did a reading circle at which um, she where where she was because it wasn't at which um, and then Deb brought us somebody else who was also mm-hmm. being on the show and so the community just goes on and gets better and, and so bigger and brighter. the network grows the little yeah, web yes, of connections which is what we absolutely love yes. so welcome Susan thank it's, you it, we've been I've been working on this for a little while so it's yeah. great to have you in here especially as we're coming up on our fifth anniversary, which mm-hmm. makes us very pleased. Yes. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with this brainchild. Okay. Um, because this is not the beginning of your career. You no. you did many other things to mm-hmm. arrive at this place. Right. Um, okay. So let's see. I was a wedding and event planner for 18 years. Oh, wow. Um, long time. Um, and... 
Um, my journey has been an interesting one. Um, I lost my eight-year-old daughter to a very rare uh, genetic brain disease. And after, um, after she passed away, um, I was... I felt that I had to do something that was giving back and doing something different. And so mm. I started working at BC Children's Hospital mm. and I loved my job there. I was I represented patients and families and I really felt that I made a difference. But um, I started there in 2005. In 2012, I saw a little girl that looked like my daughter. And although I knew it wasn't her, I don't remember the next four hours. And oh, wow. yeah, it was, uh, I just continued on, just kind of went on, but I realized something wasn't right uh, mm -hmm. after about a year and I, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought, well, you know what, I'll have a couple weeks off and I'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if that's what it took to get you to take a couple of weeks <laughs> off to start the process, then that's probably a good thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was it was wonderful that it was, that it was finally identified. And mm -hmm. uh, after about a month, I was like, hmm, I don't think this is going to be uh, this is going to be over. And I don't think this is going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, at the, I talked with my friends, my family. And at three months, I decided, no, it, I was not going to be able to go back to that environment. So the question was then, what do I do? And I have a bucket list. This and this is part of my show and tell, but I'm skipping. I have a bucket list book and it has over 300 uh, and six items in it. And one of them kept staring at me and it was um, quit my job to paint and write full time. Wow. And that was like a far off very far off retirement goal. I've always been an artist. I was a painter. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, well, is that something that I could accomplish now? And I looked at my entire skill set. I had the wedding planning. I had the business management. I was an artist. And I started researching, okay, well, how do artists make their money? It's through some teaching, selling your art, et cetera, et cetera. And I then asked myself if I wasn't afraid to fail, what would I do? And it was, I wanted to surround myself with a wonderful community of artists and I wanted to paint and write full time, which was on my bucket list. So December 17th, I remember the exact day I did, was researching the internet. I found something similar in Chicago. There was a woman who had a really unique sort of storefront and then she had these amazing studios in the back and she would do t classes and people would say oh my gosh I what I love most was the artist inspiration and I saw these artists in the space and and I thought okay well how how do I make that happen so January early January I started driving around town looking for a building and I found uh, 100 Braid Street it's a 1929 heritage building with 13 foot high ceilings and huge, huge windows. Perfect. It's got such fabulous light. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And as an artist, it was everything I could have ever wanted. Uh, so, and it was right on top of the transit system. Right on. Yep. 
It had so all for, of those things. I mean, we call it the SkyTrain here, but for people who are not in BC mm-hmm. or British, Col- uh, British Columbia, yeah. they wouldn't necessarily know that. But it's right on top of the transit system, yeah. so it's very accessible. Very accessible and right close to the highway. And I thought, okay, well, let's create this space. So it's um, built with, we have a wall of windows that separates our gallery and workshop area. And the artists are behind those windows, so people who are in that space can look through and be inspired by what they see. And um, because I, I looked at my whole skill set, and I was like, well, I know weddings and events, and okay, we can do art classes, we can do art shows, but why not host some weddings in that space? So it is also a wedding and event venue. So the business model is very strange. I tell people... I love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's similar to Rebecca's model for (laughs) for housing. Okay, there you go. That's great. Yeah, it is. I tell people, you come into the studio, what you see here is me. (laughs) It is a self. um, It's... It's all all the parts of me, and yeah. I've just created it into it into a, a job, I guess. Well, when I walked in there, the energy was fabulous, mm. and I and you know you say that people can walk around and see the artists and be inspired by them, but they can also feel the artists, mm-hmm. whether they think of it as feeling or not. Right, that's not an oxymoron, but um, it it's. It is very. It's a very sensual environment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's full of color and light and um, inspiration and and people talking to each other. So there's creative conversations going on all over the place. Yeah. Um, the, and even the materials in the building are mm-hmm. wood floors and. I gotta yeah. say that when you dove and you dove in headfirst and you went big, mm-hmm. because yeah. committing to the bucket list, you know, the guiding vision there of writing and arting mm-hmm. painting yeah. mm-hmm. full time I don't know that many people would translate that into getting a massive building pulling in a whole <laughs> bunch of artists and, that and let's fast. do this all together yeah. but it speaks to me of uh, I mean you're absolutely right your wedding and event planning really and not only does it have space for that in where you are but there's an element of you're creating art through your interactions with the humans involved mm-hmm. yes right the setting of the stage you could say which mm. is present for all events present for workplaces as well and you just took that on that was your first art project yes <laughs> it was yeah. and it's celebratory yeah. which is what weddings and events can be right? exactly. when they're their best mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very yeah. true. Yeah, and what I have come to learn, I've um, I read Simon Sinek's uh, book, Start with Why, mm-hmm. and then I I went through a whole workshop process to discover my why, and it is to help people live lives of courage in harmony with their values through creativity, mm-hmm. and so that's why Braid Street exists, mm-hmm. and everyone who comes there. That's the whole, my whole goal is to help them live that life of courage. And so that's true whether they're an artist, whether they're a couple who are coming for their wedding. Um, I want I want whatever it is that they do there to represent them. Mm-hmm. And it takes so much courage, I think, to, I don't think, I know it takes courage to be an artist. Yes. To say, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. I'm, And everything at Braid Street is set up to help artists make a living at it. Mm-hmm. And, but like I say, it's true whether, you know, a corporation comes in and they do team bonding. This is about them and the, the courage to do something in a different way, to use art um, in a way that will you know, shift things for their organization or mm. a couple in their wedding and it's 
And it definitely Wonderful. feels like a community in there. Yes. Um, and uh, you said to me when I came in that uh, that you started with the first floor, mm-hmm. and now you've expanded up to the second floor. Yes. Uh, and you, that you went through a process of vetting which artists would be the right artists for that community. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how you went through that through process. That. How do you how do you choose community members? Because mm-hmm. it's so crucial, and yet it's not something that we often think about when we're putting groups together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you should ask me that. Um, it's it's been a few. It's been a lot of learning because we're now going to be celebrating our fifth anniversary uh, in in May, end of May, early June, um, and when. When I started, I had I had put out a survey and I had asked people if they were interested in the studio and then they would, um, so yeah, going back five years, they some of them came to this empty warehouse. It was dusty and dirty, but we sat and we talked. And there was, I, I, I really tried to listen to my intuition and there's just something that happens in a conversation and I just get a sense of whether that person needed to be there and now that I understand my why I I understand that each person who who came to the studio or who comes to the studio if they um, if they're in a point of change or you know you have an artist who wants to make that jump from being an emerging artist to a professional artist they want to they want to go that way or you have somebody who has been an artist in the past and then through life experiences maybe they've been a caregiver or they've had children and then now they're ready to take that next leap and so through the conversation um, I do interview each individual but it's through conversation and I just have a sense most of the time when I'm about halfway through a tour whether that person would be a really good fit for the studio because it's about it is about the community. I tell people it's not about the four walls. This is about how can we help you as a community. And I think about which artists I can match up with, which artists, what you know, what are their goals for the next year, the next five years. But it's also how they can help the community, what they're willing to bring. And so that's a really key thing as well. It's about that give and take. So I have learned that if... Um, I've learned to watch for, I call them red flags, and I can't, I can't even describe some of them. Mm-hmm. It's just something that happens in conversation. Mm-hmm. I have, sometimes I know really quickly and immediately, within a few minutes. Other times I have had to interview people like three or four times. Yeah, you were telling me about yeah. one of those. Yeah. And you, you knew in that case that she'd be a good fit, yes. but you weren't seeing any evidence of it. Yeah, there was just something that just wasn't sitting right for me. And I've learned to wait on that, to be patient mm-hmm. and to dig a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And there were some things going on in her life. And once we got that out of the way, it was like, okay, this is... this. And it's like the whoosh. And yes. It all, and it all, all the pieces start yes. fitting into place. Yeah. Yeah, it is. yeah. The space is ver- is divided up in a very interesting way too, because they're not all uniform cubicles. No, right. So it's it's very artistic. I imagine if I looked down on it from above, mm-hmm. it would be almost a mosaic yeah, of how is. all these little cubicles fit together, mm-hmm. and all the artists put them 
together in a different way. Yes, exactly. Like the space is creative. Like one I went into, there was nothing there but a giant canvas leaning, leaning against the wall. Right. And there was paint splattered all over the floor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but there was nothing else in there. And other people, you go in and, they, and they're working very, t- they work on very tiny surfaces. And yep. they've got an, a, a, a little table that they work at. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's their living room. Yes. Absolutely. It's just fascinating mm-hmm. to see like the, the, the thumbprint of yeah. each artist on the space that they're occupying. Yeah. And, and and working in. Yeah, it really reflects the the um, I think the, the their processes and, and each person works individually. Mm-hmm. And the the other the other consideration that I do make with, with who comes into the studio is diversity. Mm-hmm. So um, a good example was uh, one of our textile artists. Um, I we have a waiting right now. We have a waiting list of a hundred over a hundred. But mm-hmm. at the time, I think we had about thirty people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she contacted me. She said, "I'm a textile artist." And I said, "Oh, please come in." And we sat down and we walked around. And um, at the end, I sat down with her and I said, "You know what?" I said, "I." I would love to invite you to be in the studio. Well, she just about fell off her chair. She said, but I'm, I'm like number 29. <laughs> I didn't expect this. And I said, no, but I said, you know what? We don't have a textile artist here. And I said, that just bumped you right up to the top. And I said, now we've just finished our conversation. And I said, I that's think confirmed it. it's confirmed. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, my goodness. So it was a little bit shocking for her. But um, that's that's how it happens. Right. And sometimes we have I tell people we have a waiting list of 100. But I've had somebody walk in off the street. They have taken the time to actually show up to come. And it was just it was just a perfect match. Yeah. And so they're they're part of the studio now. So that's so fascinating. It's, it's so great for me to hear about intuition in action mm-hmm. because lots of people think that intuition is you either listen to your intuition or you listen to logic. Mm-hmm. And, and it isn't like that. It's like the, the two do a dance together yeah. and you're really doing a dance with yours mm-hmm. in terms of your skill sets and, in, and also in terms of how you make your choices. Mm-hmm. And running something like that is a business. So yes. there's business considerations. You have yes. to pay the utilities. And mm-hmm. so it has to pay for itself. Yes, absolutely. As well as working really well as a community, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and to that end, we uh, we do a lot of things together. Uh, once a month, we, uh, we participate in a wonderful program. Um, called First Saturday Open Studios and it's in North Vancouver, Vancouver and in New Westminster and um, uh, now why was I telling you First Saturday? Mm. We were talking about logic and intuition dancing together. Right, dancing together. Okay, my thought's gone. (laughs) It'll come back. I didn't realize that I didn't realize that this First Saturday piece involved many studios. I thought it was just yours. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, there we go. <laughs> so yes, it does involve other studios. Uh, it it is not the 100 Braid Street is not part of First Saturdays, but each individual artist is. So I am oh, as a okay. as a painter, I'm mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. But on the first Saturday in the morning, because uh, it starts at noon mm-hmm. from 10 to 12, we have you could say it's a business meeting, but it's really an opportunity for all the artists to get together. We do a potluck breakfast, and then. We everybody goes around and we you have about two minutes to say, okay, this is what's happened to me in the last month or this is what's coming up. I have a great show or something. And so the whole idea is that we all support each other. So if we know that someone has a show, then 
try to go. If you can't, you know, even just saying something and saying, have a great show. It's it's that kind of thing. So it really fosters community. Um, for example, this Tuesday night, uh, a couple of artists are heading down to the Vancouver Art Gallery. So, you know, it, it has become a real community. Different artists help each other. Uh, we had an example of one one artist. She she said, I'm working on this project and I'm having a really real problem with my video and why not? And one of the other artists he was actually next in the studio next to her. He's like, well, I can help you with that. So as soon as breakfast was over, the two of them went off. And that's mm-hmm. that's why Braid Street exists. But that's true community, right? That is true community, yeah. Or the day um, one of our jewelers came to me and she said, oh, look, Susan, I'm doing this with silk thread. And our textile artist, Judy, was like, silk thread? And then the two of them went off and they're discussing <laughs> knots and all this amazing stuff. And I just... Mm-hmm. Sat back and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" When you create the container for the magic, yeah. and then the magic happens, that's that's what you got to do. Is you yeah. got to just witness it and celebrate it and and squee because it's yes. the it's the universe that's at work at that point. That's you know, exactly your yes. your job was to create the container mm-hmm. and to be the custodian of yeah. that container. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I listen to you describing your process. Uh, vetting would be the word that's normally used for that, but it doesn't. It feels a little harsh mm-hmm. because your your yeah. um, uh, vetting seems to be like an external list of things, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of checking and, and ticking it off. And it doesn't it's feel much, human. No, no. It, it that's not, and that's it doesn't sound true to what you're what you're doing there. No, Curating all. sounds a little bit better, and again, mm-hmm. in alignment with the whole. Art. This is yeah. also a yeah. piece of art. The community mm-hmm. is a piece of art. And as you're choosing the deliberate pieces, but you're guided by certain principles there. Mm-hmm. The principles of diversity, deliberate yeah. choice of mm-hmm. diversity. Yeah. But there's a commonality you're also looking for. Mm-hmm. Commonality in spirit. Yes. And, and it values, sounds like that values. part of your statement. Exactly. Values, right? yeah. Courage. And there's, and there's courage. Courage is mm-hmm. another one. And... I'm thinking, too, because you're describing a lot of interdependence, mm-hmm. a fostering of interdependence, a, wit, a desire to uh, encourage everyone, even as they are individuals, to participate in Absolutely. the interdependent actions that make everybody stronger. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that you're probably looking for a little bit of evidence of that when people are coming yes. in for their interviews. Mm-hmm. Ready. They're already oriented that way. Yes. That can be hard to teach someone mm-hmm. if they haven't already gotten there yet. Yes. That that is higher and deeper than mm-hmm. independence mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah how do you and, and this is a, a practicality of this mm-hmm. how do you uh create somebody within this team to be able to um, share some of this leadership responsibility with you so that you're not on uh, 365 <laughs> days a year oh that's a big question mm-hmm. <laughs> um well, <laughs> that is a real challenge. I have to say, yeah. out of everything in this, having since started Braid Street, um, my goal has always been to be able to step back and paint a right full time. And I'm not there yet because mm-hmm. I'm running, I am running the business. Um, and you can't make a clone of you and wouldn't want a clone of you. No, no. Um, but I'm looking for a certain skill set. I need, I've been looking for somebody who, uh, is perhaps an artist who who understands artists, but also has that business sense and background. Mm-hmm. And so, a very good friend of mine. I've, uh, 
it was interesting because whenever I've done anything, I've always had a mentor. And so when I'm telling you about this woman uh, in Chicago, um, I contacted her and I talked to her before I opened Braid Street. And she gave me, you know, bits of advice and, and all this stuff. And I listened to some of it. I didn't other stuff and she was right but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we have to find it out on our own uh-huh so I've always looked for a mentor and and that um one of my one of my other mentors said to me if you're going to look for a really good employee um somebody to help you with events and different things like that they said Starbucks and I was like oh very interesting so um I have it's funny now because I have my social media guy uh, used to work at Starbucks. He mm-hmm. was he was already leaving. He happened to say to me, oh, I'm heading off to go to school for this and this. And I said, oh, well, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'm looking for some social media work. And I was like, bing! Mm-hmm. So um, now he's worked for me two years. And um, I, I love doing social media myself, but it was something that I had to give up. Mm-hmm. And Our hands uh, can only go so far. They, yeah. they can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I've just hired another young woman who I've watched her for over a year and a half at Starbucks when I've been there every single day. And I recently um, have talked to her about coming on. Thanks to Starbucks for training people. I know. Mm. (laughs) Amazing. I won't be led into any Starbucks now. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, if you're poaching their employees. These people were leaving anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it's time for one of your songs. Which one would you like to play first? Um, Let's do the... uh, Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. Okay, so we've got What a Wonderful World. Would you like to tell us before we listen or after we listen why you chose this song? I can tell you now. All right. Um, Okay, so this, it was always a childhood favorite. Um, And interestingly enough, it is the the theme song for the uh, movie Madeline. Mm -hmm. Madeline was my favorite book as a child. I read it probably every single night to both of my daughters. (laughs) And what I loved about Madeline is she was so courageous. So that theme has been part of my life for a very long time. So whenever I hear this song, it's my childhood. It is um, connected to my both my daughters and to courage. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, let's take a listen to Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, and we will rejoin Susan Gregg here in the studio in just a few minutes. of green red roses too I see them blue for me and you and I think to myself what a wonderful world I see skies of blue Dog say goodnight, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying how. 
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca and our guest today, Susan Gregg. And we just listened to her first song choice for the day, which was Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. I wanted to ask you, Susan, that when you were describing your process, so you, you looked to your bucket list for some sort of realignment, it sounds like, when mm-hmm. you needed to make a choice for healing and for yourself. Yes. And you began this artist's collective, I don't know if that's the right word. Community. Community, yes. And, but it was at the same time that you were deepening your identity yourself as an artist. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me how that worked? Did you learn about yourself while you were creating space for other artists? Mm -hmm. And how did that happen? Well, I would say that creating Braid Street was healing for me. Um, I think that one of the best ways to heal is to help other people, for one thing. But I needed to create art. So uh, as much as there, I heal, I, um, I'm connected with my own art, creating a business is another type of art. And I have both. I, I feel like I have the, both those sides of my of my brain, I guess, right and left. Mm-hmm. So um, I need both of them in my life. It's like I need both painting and writing. I I can't, I have to journal. Um, I have six books on the go. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of time for those, um, for those books, but I always journal. I always have to write. And so art is, I think, the right brain and business is the left brain and I need to have a balance of those two so yes as I was creating Braid Street it was a healing um, process um, and and helping others right Mm -hmm. that's that's so often what can get us out of our own selves Mm -hmm. and it gets you into your own intuition and yeah it helped it just helped me move forward so one of the show and tell items that you brought today mm-hmm. is a piece of art yes. and we're just about to um, send out a picture of this over Twitter so for all of you listening to us today um, we're tweeting out uh, little sound bites of what Susan is saying and also um, photos and links and all think all good things that you might want to <laughs> follow uh, and we're on on Twitter our handle is essential conv which is essence t i a l c o n v so you can follow us there so your painting today would you like to tell us a little bit about it you said it's unfinished and it that there's unfinished. a story behind that so <laughs> i invite you to introduce us to your painting <laughs> all right um this is golden ears um and it is, i brought an unfinished painting because um that's where i am right at the moment 
moment with many, many paintings. Um, I could have brought you something that was finished, but this is really reflect- reflective of where my, you could say, my art career is at Where it's the like the, moment. all the books that you've got on the yes. go but aren't quite finished but yet, not right? quite yeah. finished. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a piece that I'm extremely proud of, and I know there's, there's certain pieces that you get attached to. Yeah. And um, this one really has a lot of meaning for me because... Um, two and a half, well, I guess it'll be three years in August, um, I had uh, a hip replacement. I had uh, I had a lot of pain for about uh, 10 years because of a car accident. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they finally figured out what was going on. And uh, I had a brand new process, a brand new type of surgery, which allowed me to walk at four four hours after surgery and wow. my physician, my surgeon said, he says, you have a choice. He says, you can go to a gym five times, uh, two hours, five times a week, or you can walk. And um, a very uh, dear friend introduced me to the Dykes. Uh, and I was working on, um, I have a project which is on Instagram. It's called, it's at Moods of Mount Baker. And it's uh, uh, a series of 36 paintings that I'm going to do um, based on Instagram photographers. Um, but I walk in Pitt Meadows um, probably five times a week and I see golden ears. And next to Mount Baker, this is my favorite place. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that. So Pitt Meadows mm-hmm. is, um, for people who don't live in and around Vancouver, Pitt Meadows mm-hmm. is one of the communities in the uh, along alongside the Fraser Valley or in the Fraser Valley. Yeah. Um, and the Fraser River is one of the big mm-hmm. rivers in yeah. British Columbia. And one of the views that you have from the Fraser Valley right. is, among other things, on a clear day, you can see Mount Baker, Baker. which is in Washington State. Yes. And it all, it, you know, it's snow-topped and it's all pinky mm-hmm. on the top of the mountain. And it's absolutely beautiful and very inspiring. Right. So we have our own mountain ranges that you can see from Pitt Meadows or from the dikes. And mm-hmm. the dikes are very flat, of course, because dikes yes. are. Um, <laughs> and we, but we have a lot of dike walks. Yes. around um, Van- in the Vancouver area, the mm-hmm. greater Vancouver area. Mm-hmm. So the painting, for those of you who don't have access to Twitter to have a look at it, is a painting of mountains and the lower level mountains that are all green mm-hmm. and the higher level mountains that are all purpley and have snow tops on them yeah. and then the sky. And it's a, it's a horizontal painting. Mm-hmm. And not too big, it's what? 12 by 24. 12 by 24. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a good size, size. but not huge. Yes. Um, but I am I'm going prob this is probably going to be a study and then I will probably create it much larger. Create a bigger one mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. Um, so but you said that when you go out and walk mm-hmm. that that is could I say a healing process for oh, you when absolutely. you when you're out there. So what happens for you when you're walking along the dikes? Um, well, for me I do not I, a lot of people have a meditation practice. I do not have a meditation practice in that sense, but I, walking for me, being in nature is profound. It is absolutely uh, essential to my life. I've, um, it, it was always important to me. I paint plein air, so I take my, my canvas out there, I do start in the field, and then I bring my painting back into the studio. Um, and when I am painting, everything disappears. Um, I am fully and absolutely present. And so if you want to talk about a meditation practice, I mm. would say that 
being present is a meditation practice, mindfulness, whatever oh, you is. want to call yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. um, but time literally stands still. Hours can go by. Mm -hmm. um, I focus on the feel of the paint, the brush. I hear birds. Everything slows down. And um, I don't think about anything else other than what I'm feeling and experiencing in that moment. And walking also does that for me. So when I'm out there on the dikes, I am just, you know, if when you, you're walking in or you're in a place and you just see this beauty and you feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but your heart just wants to burst because it's just... Makes so, me cry. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And it was and interesting. not in a sad way. No, yeah. no, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I just was listening, um, Jason Silva, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he's... Um, I would say a philosopher, he's on Instagram, and he just recently did a little video on when uh, when beauty makes you cry. And he's, he, this, this is the first time that I've ever been able to explain what, what he said, explain to me why I love Pit Meadow so much and walking on the dikes and when you see that beauty. And he said, because it's more than you expect. And every time I'm there, it's like something new right whether it's the light i love to be there for sunset mm. every sunset is different mm. and it depends on where i am you know with mm. what's going on in my personal life or what's going on at the studio and you just see everything through a new and a different lens and the weather changes and the it. weather changes and the season changes it exactly i've been out there in mm. the rain and i've had that sense just as strongly as i do on a beautiful sun you know, a beautiful night with a sunset. So. Somebody said to me once that they could not meditate. They just could not meditate. Mm. And then someone else came along and said to them, well, you can do a walking meditation. Mm. That that's what the monks used to do as they mm. walked around the mm -hmm. inside of the monastery. There's often a, a, a courtyard, a covered courtyard right. covered around the sides mm, and they can walk all the way around it. And that that was really powerful. Hmm. Yep. And then she discovered that that way she could meditate. She could meditate. Yeah. Interesting. So the walking meditation is really important. So um, we're just I'm trying to find the Jason Silva that oh. you're referring to on, yeah. on Instagram so okay. that I can uh, tweet uh, that out. I'll find So we'll find, find it him. and we'll tweet it, we'll tweet it out for you. Yeah. So what else do you do that really allows you to balance out your life? Because it sounds to me like you have a very busy life. I do. <laughs> There's a lot going on, and your yeah. and your interests take you in a lot of different directions. Mm -hmm. And it's um, I I imagine um, almost a full time job to to manage a community oh, totally. of people. Yeah. And so they all feed you, but you're mm -hmm. feeding them and coordinating and all of that kind of thing. So what do you do? So walking and and being out mm -hmm. in in nature, nature is is one of the things. But what else do you do that that balances your life out because I imagine with PTSD that's something that you've had to figure a way to yeah manage in your life yes uh, well I've had lots of therapy <laughs> <laughs> thank God I, for that yes I have a very very good therapist <laughs> um, I the other thing I do is um, uh, I have a massage therapist and I actually see him once uh, I've saw him every uh, once a week uh, before my hip surgery. Mm -hmm. Since then, I see him every two weeks. And yeah. I have, that's my, I take two, 
I try to take two days a week off, mm -hmm. but Mondays, that's my sacred day. Mm -hmm. I have to have a sacred day. And this is what my day looks like. I go for a massage in the morning. Mm -hmm. Then I sometimes I will uh, often head down to someplace like one of my favorite spots. It could be Jericho Beach. It could be Lions Bay. It could be Pitt Meadows. And I, I walk. Sometimes I sleep. <laughs> mm -hmm. I will have like an hour and a half nap after you've come back from a massage, mm -hmm. right? And you have that jello feeling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then I create art of some mm -hmm. kind. I ha usually have a sketchbook or do something along that line. Mm -hmm. And then food. <laughs> there, mm -hmm. I am a serious foodie. It, for me, it's all about the senses, whether mm -hmm. it's visual, mm -hmm. it's the auditory, birds, um, being in nature, grounding myself, literally, um, most of the time, I I hate shoes. <laughs> so, Ooh, I, sister I, I, yeah, sister, there we go. Uh, so, so many similarities between you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be spending some more time together. That's there we go. So, uh, one of my favorite places is Jericho Beach. So, I get there, I literally take my shoes off, I will sit on the ground, and then I will sketch or I will walk, walking in the water. There are, it's the ocean and the forest. I will hike. Mm -hmm. so I always go for a walk during that day. And then I always choose some very nice restaurant, some place where I'm going to have real quality food. And if I don't, then I will head home and I'll make myself mm -hmm. something. Delicious, but yeah. that is, that's the element of my sacred I day. I like that sacred that's day. Your sacred yes. day that's ritual. Sacred that's day. my sacred day. And if I do that every single week, <laughs> I am a happy person. I can mm -hmm. function. I can, mm -hmm. you know, go about doing everything that I need to do. Mm -hmm. If I miss that day, I know it. You feel the consequences. Yeah, I, absolutely I hear do. that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like to play the second song? Should yes. we listen to that? Okay. All right, I know you're quite excited about this one. So <laughs> then I, we've got it all queued up here. So this is uh, free slash Into the Mystic, uh, and it's done live from Bonnaroo, and this is by Z the Zach Brown Band. Would you like to tell us why this is one of your choices today? Well, we just talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, the two places I need to be are the ocean. I spend some time every year um, at the ocean, and it's it's. I have to walk in the water. I have to I have to be there, but also in the mountains. I need to be. In the trees, I have mm -hmm. to touch trees. I have to paint trees, and so this talks about that. It's my need to. Mm. I think I have a gypsy soul, mm -hmm. <laughs> and this song speaks to both those parts of me. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. All right, let's take a listen. We will rejoin Susan Gray here in the studio in just a few minutes.
We live out in our van, travel all across this land, me and you. We'll end up hand in hand, somewhere down on the sand, just me and you. Just as free.
We're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca and our guest today, Susan Gregg, who is an enthused by life creative, and she's been giving us a good wander over all of the things that her hands are in. We just listened to her second song request for the day, which was the Zac Brown band singing Free Slash Into the Mystic. And... And that it's not about all about the money. <laughs> it's not all about the money. <laughs> Which we're thoroughly exploring today. <laughs> so we, we were going to come back and talk about your bucket list. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about what happens when you make lists. Right. And so t- tell us a little bit about what's been happening as you've made lists. lists. Um, I, when I talk to people about my bucket list, there are 307, there have been 306 items, I guess, on it. Um, but... Um, it's very subjective in how some of these things have been accomplished. And the one that the example that I was giving was uh, uh, I had put down that I wanted to own a big dog, and I had this vision of I've always wanted to own a strawberry retriever. Mm-hmm. And then one day when my which night, is not a dog that retrieves strawberries, it's the color. It's the, the color. color. That's yes. it exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining it like a yeah. dog that sniffs for trouble. Yeah. This one goes for that strawberries. That's a bad idea, though. I, I would be quite happy with that. This is what happens when I get punched tired? Fetch the strawberries. Yeah. <laughs> strawberries and trouble. Delicately. Yes. Yes. Balsamic vinegar. So oh, got, let's. Uh, oh talk yeah, about we food. go all over the place. So, but I interrupted you, and no. so then. The oh. next step was. Yeah, so the next step was my 90 pound Vishala jumps 
on me when I'm in bed and sits on my chest and I'm looking at him in the face and I'm thinking to myself, I own a big dog. <laughs> so I can take that one off the list now. Yeah, yeah. so I took it off the list. Um, but it's something that I review on a regular basis because uh, life changes. And so there are things that I will now, t- like just recently I've realized, is I'm at a different place in my life and there's things that I will not, that I no longer want to do. I mean, I still want to stand on... Uh, a, the mountain in Switzerland and yellow Ricola. I still want to do that. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And it'll come back, echoed back to you. Exactly. Yeah. Ricola. Yeah. 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 So, you know, there's just, I put all kinds of weird stuff in there um, because I have learned that by making a list, um, I, and it happened years ago where I, I wrote down a series of goals uh, that I wanted to accomplish in five years. Um, I had read a book about uh, Brian Tracy on goals, and I wrote them all out, and they said, you know, look at them every single day. And then I did that for a few days, and I lost the list. Seven, (laughs) yeah. Oh, I think that's significant. Yes. Seven years later, though, I found that list in a book. (laughs) And I had accomplished everything but one thing on the list. Wow. And that convinced me that's why I started a bucket list. Mm -hmm. Not long thereafter, my daughter did it in school, and I thought it was a wonderful idea. And I I think it's a 70% 70 chance that if you write something down Mm -hmm. and you actually make it a goal, Mm -hmm. that 70% chance it'll happen. So I'm very focused. I'm a real, I I say to people, I have a bucket list. I'm not dying. I'm just a goal setter. Mm -hmm. And so that really feeds into the the whole 100 Braid Street and becoming an artist and all of that. It it all ties in. So you mentioned earlier that the fifth anniversary is coming up at the end of this month. Yes. And that there are celebrations involved. There are. So can you tell us a little bit about what the celebrations are? And if people feel inspired by what you've talked about today, then there Mm. are ways for them to get involved absolutely um i'm so thrilled i can't i can't believe that we are at our fifth anniversary um so on may 31st uh, from 7 to 10 p.m that's going to be our evening soiree um we're going to have um some food some wine i have lots of cheese so if you like cheese come on down (laughs) Uh, but the studios will be open we'll be having a fifth anniversary art show so all of the artists in the studio will have their art up in the main gallery area and then everyone can wander around and take a look at the new studios Mm -hmm. so we have 16 on the main floor and that's where my studio is and then we have 28 new studios on the top floor Mm -hmm. and we are very close to being full now so amazing it's Mm -hmm. it's really we're not full because i haven't had the time to interview um people as of yet but Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that by that date we'll we'll be full uh and then the date again may 31st from 7 to 10 p.m. It's an evening event. Then the next day will be noon to 5 p.m. That's part of First Saturdays. Um, uh, from 12 to 5, that'll be the fifth anniversary art show. At 7 p.m., the doors will then, we will close at 5, open again at 7 for Keyside Voices and uh, Fifth Street. There, Keyside Voices is an a cappella group that is also part of the studio. So we're not just visual artists. We have... Um, an a cappella group, we have two singers, we have a uh, performance artist, and we have two writers in residence as well. So we're really expanding. We've, we've started doing some open mic nights, but that event on Saturday, Saturday evening from seven, at 7 o'clock will be the concert. Mm-hmm. And then the following day on Sunday will be Fusion Arts Day. Uh, and that is from 12 to 5 p.m. We're going to be doing a public 
uh, art projects, so art for the outside of the building. Um, but we're going to have musicians and singers and just so that people have that opportunity to experience the fusion, the music, the and and art together. Fantastic. It's going to be a blast. Yeah. Um, and if they want to know more about this, you have mm-hmm. a website, right? We most definitely do. So we are www.100braidststudios.com. Fantastic. And we're tweeting that out as well. So if you want to find it, you can All tweet it to Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Mm, my pleasure. It's, it's been a total pleasure for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Luca, you just got back. Is there anything that you want to tell people about before um, we I'm close I'm back today? into doing reading circles again. So if anybody thinks that that would be a lovely thing to do on a summer afternoon or summer evening, then they can get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. And you're still um, raising funds for your Blossom. My, yep. Indiegogo is going on for the Blossom Co-Housing Project. So that is an, um, a way of providing new rental opportunities within Vancouver for single parents and marginalized folks who have who have trouble accessing housing here. So you can find that on Indiegogo. Just search. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh, 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 Happy, 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 happ